from the 1011 Now streaming studio in Lincoln, Nebraska. This is the End Report Husker Show. Hello and welcome everyone. Bill Rentschler alongside Sports Director Kevin Suits in the 1011 Now streaming studio. Kevin, uh, another busy weekend of Husker Athletics, high school state volleyball action. A ton to talk about today. Um, Want to start off, though, again, talking about Michigan State, looking back again. I don't know how much of a chance you got to actually watch the game, but what were your takeaways from a disappointing performance in East Lansing? Well, this will be interesting for me, Bill, because uh, I, I don't have as good of a grasp on this game, admittedly, as uh, I would most Nebraska game days, but uh, have had a chance to you know, hear from Matt Rule on Monday and I guess kind of I digest what I know of the game on Saturday. Obviously, I was a little bit preoccupied with the high school state <laughs> volleyball championships uh, at the Devaney Center on Saturday. Mm-hmm. But, man, what a disappointing game. The Huskers were favored on the road against a Michigan State team that had lost seven in a row. Uh, learning after the fact, though, it didn't sound like Nebraska had the best week of practice leading into the game. Obviously, I think some injuries are starting to catch up with the Huskers. And as Matt Rule pointed out, winning is different in November than September and October. Mm -hmm. He knows it's very difficult to win in November. There's more tape on you. And so you might see some different things from opponents. Uh, Injuries start to mount up. And plus, there's a piece of pressure on there. And this is the first time Nebraska had been on the cusp of bowl eligibility in playing a football game since 2016 and it's rule been a while and, and, and you're asking some guys to try to get that done that are freshmen redshirt freshmen and sophomores and rule today in his press conference uh, it, and there are sometimes he can get pretty animated towards the very end when talking about pl- learning how to win with pressure he got pretty animated he was pretty fired up about you know hey they got to learn how to do it Got to stare at your demons demons in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Matt Rule was fantastic again, again on Monday. This is no news flash that Matt Rule was really good in front of uh, the cameras and reporters. Uh, but he peeled back the curtain a little bit on, you know, what are some of the things that are plaguing Nebraska, what the issues were against Michigan State, what the outlook is for the remaining three games, knowing that uh, three games are left, one win is needed. If the Huskers get one, they are bowl eligible. Um, this is the one to get, though. If you're a fan looking at this remaining stretch for Nebraska, Maryland, Wisconsin, and Iowa. Iowa currently leads the Big Ten West. Wisconsin has been near the top of the division all season. Maryland comes to Lincoln on a four-game losing streak. The Terrapins, like Nebraska, are 5-4. and four. They also are playing for bowl eligibility. They've just been stuck on the number five for a little bit longer than the Yeah, started off the season hot 5-0, and and then now they've lost uh, four straight, uh, Ohio State, uh, Illinois, uh, Penn State, and one other one in there. I'm not entirely sure. Nor, uh, Purdue, maybe. I'm, I'm not sure. But four straight losses uh, for Maryland. Uh, and, again, they're coming in with uh, Tagovailoa. I'm not even going to – Talia Tagovailoa. Talia Tagovailoa. Which – It's Tua's brother. Yes. And Matt Rule said in his assessment of Talia that he can do everything his brother can do and even put Talia in the same breath as Kyler Murray mm-hmm. and Patrick Mahomes. That's- and he said as a whole, Maryland is athletic of a team as anybody that they have faced. They have a very good offense. Mm-hmm. They played a more difficult schedule than Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the reason for the four-game losing streak right now for uh, the Terrapins. But... That's an enticing matchup for folks that are going to watch this game on Saturday, whether on Peacock or whether inside Memorial Stadium. 
this defense, which didn't play its best against Michigan State, now has to really show some improvement, hopefully regain the swagger that they had earlier in the year because they're facing an outfit with a dual-threat quarterback, Antalya Tangavailoa, and then they have a lot of athletic pieces in skill positions. So can they match up? Can they hang with them? And it sounds like Nebraska's secondary isn't the healthiest right now. Uh, Malcolm Hartzog sounds like he's going to be a uh, – he's questionable right now. He's dealing with – he's still in concussion protocol. Mm-hmm. So they need all the bodies that, that they can put on the field uh, for this matchup for Nebraska's second-to-last home game. And, again, turnovers continue to be an issue. Again, Nebraska is dead last in the country with 22 giveaways, 12 fumbles, 10 interceptions. It's, it's, they're ranked 128th in turnover margin. It's minus 12. So, again, you, you have a defense that's 16th in total defense, third in rushing defense, but the offense just continues to – Give the ball away, which again impacted this last game against Michigan State. Three giveaways, no takeaways by the defense. If you want to get that one more win to, to go bowling, you're going to have to have a positive turnover margin in probably one of these three games to have a decent chance. Yeah, that's how you lose a game on the road by three mm-hmm. points. You have a negative three turnover margin. You know, sometimes you can tolerate the turnovers a little bit more. I guess you never really tolerate the turnovers, especially any coach would tell you that. But if you can take the ball away, mm-hmm. if you can offset your turnovers with takeaways, then it can sometimes be a wash. You could stomach it. You can stomach it a little bit better. But this defense, as good as it has played, especially in stopping the run, they're just not creating a ton of turnovers. And that's that's been the case going all the way back to Nebraska's season opener against Minnesota. It's a good defense. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But the one missing element of this defense is, you know, we haven't seen too many. I mean, Tommy Hills had a few interceptions. He's got three interceptions on the year, mm-hmm. uh, but they've kind of come in a quick bunch, spread out the course over the nine games Nebraska's played. They've had some moments where they're just not taking the ball away, and that's knocking the ball out uh, and creating a fumble and getting on top of it or getting an interception or even having special teams somehow come up with a way to get the football. Yeah, something, somewhere. Uh, in there, so I, I I think again, I think you could argue that Maryland is probably either the most athletic or the second most athletic team the Huskers will play this year. Col- it, you know, it's kind of between them and Colorado. Michigan is obviously the best team they'll play all year, but they're just kind of a they're going to beat you up, you know, between the offensive and defensive line. So Maryland they're a football team, yes, yes, and they're obviously talented, but I think skill positions, skill players, just quickness. Twitchiness, I think Maryland's right up there with Colorado. I would agree with that. Um, but they can be contained. You know, I watched Maryland play Illinois during Nebraska's bye week, and Illinois beat them on the road. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's an Illinois outfit that when Nebraska played them on a Friday night in Champaign, you know, wasn't that impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there there are ways to scheme and slow down this Maryland attack. Uh, Matt Rule and this staff, they're just more concerned about themselves and getting right and staying confident. And, you know, my big takeaway on Monday, just hearing from Matt Rule, it was that you know, he said we're, we're learning how to win. We're starting to learn how to win. But that process kind of resets itself now because we have to learn how to win in November. And tell me the last time, we don't have to look it up, but just thinking aloud, when was the last time Nebraska had a really good November? I would go back to the first year of Scott Frost, but they dug themselves in the hole by losing the first six, six games yeah. of the season. Yeah. And, I mean, you go back to 2016, which is the last time this team went bowling. That was the year they started 
six and oh, seven and oh, but then faltered down the stretch. I think losing four, maybe five of their last. So games. November's have been tough on this program, yeah. and not to go too microscopic. But look at the Iowa series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nebraska won it a year ago, mm-hmm. um, but they've had some struggles against the Hawkeyes in recent memory. Uh, and part of that is lumped in not just Iowa. You know, who else is Nebraska typically playing in Wisconsin. November? Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Yeah. So there are some divisional opponents that have really um, given Nebraska trouble late in the year. And now let's see. And that's part of the identity that Matt Rule wants with this program. Be able to, you know, Win in the elements. It's going to be cold. It's going to be windy. It might be raining. We're going to run the football. We're going to stop the run. Can they really do that when the stakes crank up? Because right now we're getting close to winning time where, you know, there's going to be a lot on the line. It's different playing in mid-September knowing that obviously you want to win and you want to just keep building and stacking days and stacking wins. But right now – that what is left of the season hinges on how these next few games go. Yeah, you're running out of days. You're running out of games to to stack on top of each other, and you're and you're running out of health too. You mm-hmm. know, like. But with that being said, Emmett Johnson. If you want, if you want to shine the light on the Michigan State game, Emmett Johnson ran the ball pretty hard, yep. and you know, I, I think that everybody's confidence in the redshirt freshman running back is growing week by week. At first, it was a little bit of, well, it's essentially a fourth-string running back who's yeah. now starting. Yeah. But now you're learning Nebraska's number four is a pretty stinking good option. Yeah. Um, he's and, hanging on to the football, but and, the rest of his offensive counterparts need to do the same. And credit to uh, Anthony Grant. I thought he ran the ball pretty well on Saturday as well, and he did not cough up the football either. So, again, that's obviously been the big bugaboo uh, with him so far this year. So, it will be another interesting matchup again, 11 a.m. Uh, Maryland uh, on Peacock, which I looked it up earlier. I think for a monthly subscription on Peacock, it's five ninety nine a month. So if you wanted to sign up, I think you're paying about 6 bucks, and then you can k- turn around and cancel it. There is a uh, Big Ten fan. Does it prorate it, though? Potentially. You know, like if you buy a month subscription and you only use it for, for one, one day. day. Is you know, it only a dollar? Does it amount to like you just <laughs> only spent ninety eight cents? I w- that would be nice. I, I doubt that I d- that's the case. No, uh, but, they, but there's going to be a lot of people doing exactly what you're doing right now. Mm-hmm. You're on the Google machine, yep. and you're looking up Peacock. You're trying to figure out how do I get it? How much does it cost? <laughs> you know, what are the ins and outs of this thing? Mm-hmm. You know. And Some they, Nebraskans still resist technology, and this is forcing them into the it future. Is, it really is. So there's, they have a Big Ten offer. It's forty bucks for a year, uh, and you can you can get to this page that I'm looking at if you go to the Huskers uh, Huskers.com um, and look at the, look up the TV information for the Maryland game. Uh, but Maryland is a one and a half point favorite uh, coming into this game. Over unders at forty four and a half. Again, obviously Maryland a little bit more of a high scoring offense, so over unders a little bit higher. But they are the favorite coming into this game. Maryland's one and a half. One and a half. It opened at two and a half. Did it? Okay. So it's come down in come favor down. of Nebraska just a smidge. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens at practice. I, what are your takes, takeaways from the Michigan game, Michigan State game? Obviously, Matt Rule spent a portion of his time with the media on Monday talking about the officiating. Mm-hmm. He says he, he, he knows that refs have a tough job, and they have to try to make a call on a play in real time. Mm-hmm. The, the thing that I think sticks in the crawl of Matt Rule a little bit more, and he kind of shed some light on this, is when you go to replay, 
should pretty much get it right once you go to replay. You think you should. And you have to pay attention with Matt. He'll say some things, but you got to have your ears open and your eyes eyes tied to it. Saying the fact that 5-4, and four, they'll own it. They know that that is what the record is. There are more variables to it. But he then sneaks in. They had a touchdown taken away from them in one game, and they had a touchdown given to another team in a different one. So code for that is Minnesota, right before halftime, it looked like Gabe Irvin had crossed the goal line. No touchdown is called. Huskers do not score in that situation. They threw a pick Mm -hmm. right before halftime. And then Michigan State gets awarded the touchdown with about three, four minutes to go. Mm-hmm. It puts the Spartans up by 10 points, 20 to 10. Mm-hmm. Matt Rule felt like Nebraska probably should have gotten the ball back one last time. And plus, the Huskers scored late on the Emmett Johnson touchdown run. So it's the what ifs. And I, so he, he's, he's not using that as an excuse, but he is saying, like, these are just some of the realities of what we've dealt with. It's not a carefully too. You know, a lot of a lot of coaches when they start talking about officiating, a couple of things happens. One, some coaches won't even touch it because they know mm-hmm. they're going to get in trouble. Yep. Two, when they go there, they go all in Matt and they'll just toes, they, right up to the line. They will just say exactly how they feel, and yeah. that's how sometimes the the university then has to issue a three sentence press release trying to you know walk calm back. the waters yeah. and walk back a little bit on on what Coach said while emotional behind a microphone. But Matt Rule is, like, right in the middle. And he, like, it's like a PR master class (laughs) because he will say what he feels without shaming anybody and yet also taking ownership all at the same time. Mm -hmm. It is unbelievable. It's almost like a business that maybe had a mishap that put some negative light on them. How you have to say, like, we are proud of our people, and we believe in what we believe, but we're also going to own up. We said, we did this wrong, and this is a little bit of our plan for the future. Like, that that's just PR in a, in a nutshell. Well, and he, he even stops himself sometimes, and he'll say, oh, I shouldn't say that. Or right. he, today, he said, oh, I got a really good analogy, but I, but I shouldn't say it. So it, it does give an interesting take on some of these issues. Because I said, Chase and I, again, we talked uh, after the game on Saturday. I said, you know, we can say it because we're not going to get fined. But I thought the officiating was, was just... It was not good. It was missed, missed calls. Uh, you know, some big, pretty the, big the, the, the face, like missing the face mask. When the the, the head official, the head, the guy in the white cap, was right there, and there was no other player around that you could have been looking at. So yeah, the face some mask of those on things, Heinrich Harburg. That was shades of Eric Crouch getting was. his neck twisted completely around. <laughs> it was. So, so yes, there there was. I think in general, correct me if I'm wrong. Fans that watched the Nebraska-Michigan State game, they would all agree the officiating was not good. Yes. But the officiating did not cost Nebraska the game. No, because you could just tell offense, defense, special teams. I, I said again, I said to Chase on Saturday, I don't think anyone played terrible, but no one really played very good either. Like, it was just kind of a meh. Defense was good, not great. It stopped the run, but allowed some big plays. Special teams was pretty lackluster, which was disappointing. Brian Buschini had some not-so-great punts. And then the offense, you know, there was spurts where they ran the ball, and then there were spurts where they couldn't do much of anything. So, 
And you, you, they put themselves, like Rule said today, they put themselves in that position. You know, you can say all you want about the officiating and the replay, but they themselves put themselves in that It's place. really unfortunate because you think if Nebraska would have gone to East Lansing and won the game, think about what we're discussing here. We're think talking about bowls. We're talking well, then you're really looking at those projections. And, you know, the Big Ten West, look what happened this past week in the West. Wisconsin loses. Uh, Iowa beats Northwestern. Minnesota, Minnesota loses. Minnesota loses. It's just a complete mess. <laughs> so Nebraska would have been in a two-way tie with Iowa, and that's a team that still remains on the schedule. So you can win your way to Indianapolis. Yeah. Uh, so that one result, it has a pretty big impact. Mm-hmm. And plus, with a young team, you just hope that it doesn't shake the confidence. And I, I Got the sense that Nebraska on Saturday against the Spartans did not look like the most confident team on the field. A little jittery. Yep. Again, learning to win under pressure. So I still think, you know, if they win out, I still think there's a, a decent chance, not not a plurality, but you could be talking about being up there in the Big Ten West. Minnesota still has Ohio State on the schedule. They so, went out. They win the Big Ten West. Yeah. So You think still, they're going to win out? I don't think they're going to win out. I'm saying – that's still on the table because of what happened on Saturday with the rest of the games that were played. And because the other teams in contention remain on the schedule. Wisconsin and Iowa. Mm-hmm. And that's where this is the you got to get it game. Mm-hmm. This, right. is, this is a massive game. You could argue at this point in the season, heading into mid November, this Nebraska Maryland may be the most important game that Nebraska will play this year. Yeah. If yeah. the Huskers cannot beat the Terrapins, they will then have two games left to try to get a bowl eligible. And they will be against Wisconsin on the road. At night. At night. Or Iowa Black Friday at home. And Iowa's likely going to be playing for a trip to Indianapolis. Yeah. So, that's a lot to, lot to unpack. So, get it done now, and then you're done worrying about it. Anything, anything past... Anything past six wins, again, I think we've said this before, is gravy, really, in year one of Matt Rule. Yeah, the dual-threat quarterback element of Maryland's game should be pretty concerning. I think that's going to really keep up Matt Rule at night and Tony White, Evan Cooper. You know, who ha- who are the dual-threat quarterbacks Nebraska has even played this year? Shadur Sanders. Yeah, but he didn't even really run the ball that much. He really didn't. And then you could argue that J.J. McCarthy, mm-hmm. though, with Michigan, like they just kind of kept him in the pocket, and he was mm-hmm. able to shred Nebraska's defense on uh, third downs, mm-hmm. and they handed the ball off a lot. Yeah. So this is, this is going to be interesting because we don't really have a huge uh, study guide on how Nebraska's defense matches up against a, th- a dual-threat quarterback. No, there's not a lot of tape on Tony White's three three five, uh, with with a quarterback like this. So 11 a.m. Saturday, again, uh, we'll obviously have coverage uh, throughout the week uh, and report six and ten, and then obviously on Saturday uh, as well. Moving over to volleyball, two and zero last week, a reverse sweep against Penn State. That was absolutely incredible to watch. Uh, I didn't. I mean, they got outplayed. In that first, those first two sets, and you know, you're thinking at that point, is it bad for the team to to lose a game? They don't have to be undefeated, uh, but then they just reverse swept them and kept on uh, kept the train going against Rutgers. Swept them on Sunday. Set one was 25-15 Penn State against mm-hmm. the Nittany Lions. 
I've talked to a number of people who admit that they turned it off. Yeah. I guess they haven't been fully invested in Nebraska <laughs> volleyball over the past five to ten years. Because they can do this. Yeah. And this year's team, they're that good. Yeah. That they can flip it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think part of the reason for some people walking away from that match is because Nebraska – you know, those weren't deuce games. Nebraska did not play well, didn't look like themselves, and Rec Hall was rocking. It was loud. Like the pom-poms and even the camera couldn't was see, shaking a little bit. The court. And sometimes the, the fans were that were in front of the, you know, the, the net cam, the fans would put their arms in the air and you couldn't see the court, so they had to go to the end zone camera. Mm -hmm. I know some folks were kind of complaining about that in the moment, like, get off the camera. We want to see the, see the play from the side view. Well, they couldn't because people were standing mm -hmm. and there were arms in the way. So uh, that's a BTN decision in the moment, and I, I don't fault them for making it. Yeah. What would you rather see? Hands or back of arms and heads or the actual play, even from a different vantage point? So all that to say, Nebraska was able to squeak that one out. That, that just ranks up there with this storybook season for Nebraska volleyball. Um, of course, they still have three weeks left in the regular season. But if you stop and be reflective of, like, what has defined this Nebraska volleyball season, obviously the outdoor match is number one. Uh, snapping the losing streak to Wisconsin, that's two, and unless you want to make them co-number ones because they were mm -hmm. both really awesome moments. And then this is the next biggest moment within the course of the Nebraska volleyball season. They had their backs against the wall. Merritt Beeson played the best match of her career. 27 kills, hit 426. And when we're recording this podcast, I don't believe that they have issued the Big Ten Volleyball uh, Weekly Awards. She has to be the Big Ten Volleyball Player of the Week. If not... The National Player of the Week. I will throw a fit. Yeah. And I think she has the case to be National Player of the Week, though she has already earned that award once. I think she is having Big Ten Player of the Year caliber a Big Ten Player of the Year caliber season, and potentially National Player of the Year. And that shouldn't shock anybody. That should, If somebody's watching or listening, it was, whoa, whoa, Kevin, calm down. Let's not get too – like, she plays for the number one team in college volleyball. They are 23-0. and 0. There's a good chance the National Player of the Year goes to the team that is having the most success. But I think she just does it so unassumingly. She does. I mean, this. I mean, again, twenty-seven kills against Penn State, hitting four twenty-six. I mean, that's obviously her her career high, season high in kills. I mean, it's usually just like every night. It's like, oh, you know, Merritt Beeson's got you know, I don't know, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. She kills. hit four twenty-six against Penn State, and then she followed that up with twenty-one kills and hit four seventy-five against Rutgers. And those twenty-one kills on Sunday at Rutgers, did you know? Ties the Nebraska record for most kills in a three-set match in the rally scoring era, <laughs> and it puts her in the same company as Kelsey Robinson. Wow. I did not know that. That is impressive. So there, there are a lot of stats and statistical nuggets that really support Merritt Beeson for being one of the best players in college volleyball this year. Uh, man, the Huskers are lucky to have her. This obviously is her first year on campus, and now everybody is understanding. If you didn't know it already, when she was named a captain before having ever played at Nebraska, so much of the assumption there was because of her character. The, the motherly figure, she has some college, college experience, very well liked in Nebraska's locker room. Well, we're seeing the other side of it now. When the game's on the line, she's a killer. Yeah. Like, she can take over a match, and 
she can be very effective on the pins. And back-to-back 20-kill matches, that's pretty impressive. That's good stuff. And let's see if she can keep it rolling by because as she plays, Nebraska plays. I'm not saying she can't have a bad night because they have enough other weapons. That, yeah. You know, they can overcome a slow night from Merritt Beeson. But when she's on, I mean, she's doing this. The team looks very good. Well, I mean, and Lindsey Krause's continued to be out with injury. Uh, so, again, she's just been elevating her play as another one of, you know, Nebraska's leaders has been on the bench. So it's been super impressive. Again, the latest uh, ABCA poll just dropped a few minutes ago. And finally, Nebraska receives all 64 first place. Oh, votes. that's the first time this year. First time this year. So, a, you, consensus unanimous number one uh, for Nebraska. Wisconsin still number two. Uh, Stanford's at number four, uh, Louisville, Danny Busboom, Kelly's at number five. You know what was very bizarre about the one, the, the random one first place vote that was not going to Nebraska? It was a different voter was over it? the past two weeks. Oh. You know, after Nebraska beat Wisconsin, there was one first place vote which went to Wisconsin. Initially, that came from the head coach at Texas Tech. Yeah. Then the following week, there was still one first-place vote that went to Wisconsin. You assume that that coach from Texas Tech probably kept his ballot the same at the top? No. No. Tennessee Tech ended up – their coach voted for Wisconsin with the first-place vote. But, hey, they've got them all now. They do. No national (laughs) championships are being awarded on November 6th. No. But – Right now, if you're a Nebraska volleyball fan, you might want to start looking into airfare to Tampa, Florida in December. Uh, so a little bit more manageable. Again, no easy nights in the Big Ten. A little bit more manageable uh, slate of games this week, Wednesday. Uh, and they're both at home. Uh, Northwestern on Wednesday at 7 p.m. That match will be on uh, Nebraska Public Media. And then Sunday, uh, they host Illinois 2 p.m. also on Nebraska Public Media. Again, Northwestern's 11-13 and 13 on the year. Illinois 13-11. and 11. On the air, so. Can I just say I love the Sunday matches? Yeah, Sunday matches are great. I know John Cook really does not like them. It kind of wipes out the entire weekend, mm-hmm. and it screws up with the, the week-to-week schedule and the days off that the girls have. Um, but myself personally, you know, we are season ticket holders for mm-hmm. uh, the program. Uh, Sundays I, I generally have off of work. Yeah. I've been able to go to matches with my wife, with my daughter, uh, and be able to see those games from a different viewpoint mm-hmm. as opposed to – Having a shirt and tie on or running a camera. So it's it's fun to be able to take those games in because, man, the Devaney Center, you know, I'm a a Coliseum loyalist. Purist, yes. I I, I purist. I absolutely love the Coliseum. Uh, But the Devaney Center is a pretty special place to be at for a college volleyball I still love that John Cook has his Coliseum polos that he still wears on the bench. Because how long, I mean, how long have they been out of the Coliseum now? It's been... If I had to guess, 2013, maybe last year. So, I mean, say 10 years. And he's, oh, yeah. he's still rocking the Coliseum polos. That's a good point, you know, because he does wear the, the N with the Coliseum, mm-hmm. like in the background around the N. Uh, that, that's fairly common every for time John Cook it. game day attire. Yeah. There's probably some folks who might be new fans of Nebraska volleyball that don't quite understand, you know, the significance of that logo. Mm-hmm. Maybe a question for you tomorrow if we talk to John Cook about his, his wardrobe. I'll file that one away. <laughs> I do know his daughter comes in pretty clutch with uh, some of the wardrobe choices for John Cook. <laughs> uh, really quickly, basketball. Women are playing – well, the game the game might be over right now, but they opened their season against Northwestern State. Pretty sure they won. They the, were up, the game was over at halftime. Yeah, it was 46-12 well, or something yes. like that at halftime. Uh, we'll obviously have highlights of that. 
tonight. The men open up their season against Lindenwood at 7 p.m. Uh, that's on BTN+. Plus. Uh, I know Fred has kind of been having the same issue that Matt Rule has had on offense and that he's had players injured, players sick, players out. So we'll, I guess we'll see what we get tonight on the court. That's my big curiosity with Fred Hoiberg's season opener this year. Who's playing? Yeah. Because they have had such a multitude of different lineups that they've shown going all the way back to their international trip in the summer, to their exhibition game against Dome, to what we know about their closed scrimmages against Utah. Like, they, they've yet to really play at 100%. So when they take the court against Lindenwood this evening at Pinnacle Bank Arena, you know, is Josiah Alec going to play? Is mm-hmm. Casey Tomanaga going to play? Um, Jawan Gary, he's um, not going to play for disciplinary yep. reasons. Uh, Rink Mast, is he going to play? There are just so many guys that are dealing with an injury or a situation one way or the other, and what does that combination look like? And I even asked Fred last week about how not having everybody available and healthy, how much that has stunted his and his staff's evaluation of this team and trying to come up with combinations. Fred, you know, having experience coaching in the NBA, like he talks so much about combinations, you know, who plays well with who and what does the front court look like if we do this? What does the back court look like if we do that? Um, I'm pretty sure it's difficult for them to truly have a handle on that Mm -hmm. going into a season compared to previous years when you kind of knew how it all looked and how it all worked. It's, uh, yeah, it's poor Fred and that staff. Again, strep throat running through the team last week. I mean, rink mast getting assaulted by a stranger on a moped or a scooter in downtown Lincoln. Good Lord. He's been having a tough go of it. So that will be interesting, again, to watch all that. Uh, again, tip off tonight at 7 BTN+. Plus. Uh, one of the big pieces of news that came from the weekend, I'll ask you about this, Kevin. Britt Prince, five-star guard from Elkhorn North, commits to uh, Amy Williams in the women's team i admit i know very little about women's basketball recruiting this caught me off guard i didn't know that she was a five-star player that big of a player that highly rated uh just up the road in omaha started recruiting her when she was in eighth grade Whew. this generational talent yeah Britt okay. prince is legit she took recruiting trips to louisville you know she was pursued by some women's basketball blue bloods mm. kentucky duke she could have gone anywhere and I was surprised when she picked Nebraska. Um, there are several reasons why she wants to play at Nebraska, from what I understand. Um, one of those being the relationship she has with Amy Williams and Kennedy Williams, Amy's daughter, because they have played together. All right. And they are the same age. So there's a, there's a factor there. But, you know, Britt Prince, she is a program changer. And, and it would not be – I know Caitlin Clark is like the – the shining example of women's basketball success in the modern day right now, like mm-hmm. current, current times right now. I'm not saying that Britt Prince is going to be Caitlin Clark, but you could dream. I think it's safe for Nebraska fans to dream that Britt Prince becomes Nebraska's version of, of Caitlin, Caitlin Clark. Clark. When was Nebraska, the last time Nebraska women's basketball that had a bona fide superstar? Oh, gosh. Jess Shepard. Yes. Um, but Jess also left. Yeah, transferred you know, to Notre Dame. But, but she was she was a, a Jordan Hooper. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
when we say generational talent, we always have to be pretty careful. Like, it's just a good player, or is it a program changer? Is it somebody that can help the program get to a sweet 16? Uh-huh. And is it somebody that's going to just be everywhere, billboards, commercials, and just be the face of the program? And I think Britt Prince, as good as she is, and I've seen her play many times, being from Nebraska and being also like a McDonald's All-American, essentially the women's basketball equivalent of a McDonald's All-American. I think she's rated in the top 30 nationally, I, I know. 28th. There is superstar potential for Brett Prince. Well, that and I think be... that this is the biggest recruiting win for Amy Williams this year. It was not getting Jazz Shelley to come back for another year. Getting Britt Prince to commit to Nebraska, that, that, that's probably the biggest recruiting victory for Amy Williams as Nebraska's head coach. All right. Well, that will be exciting to watch that. Again, obviously, won't be playing this year, but next year. She'll be on the court. Oh, but you can start watching Elkhorn North because that team, <laughs> and they ran some teams off the court last year, and she's a huge reason why. She's just a relentless defender, excellent ball hander, handler, and she has some really good range. She can do it all. Cool. All right. Well, that's that's super exciting for Amy Williams uh, and her program. Uh, again, all good things uh, uh, for the Husker women's basketball team, again, with that and uh, their opening win today. Uh, last thing, Kevin, before we let everyone go, high school state volleyball. What were your takeaways? I mean, it looked like, again, some really good volleyball like we said it was going to be. It was excellent volleyball, yeah. There were some insanely exciting matches. Even look at Saturday, championship day. The Class A championship did not start until about 9 o'clock at night. That's about two (laughs) hours behind schedule. Yep. It's because some of the matches earlier in the day had gone five sets. Um, So the volleyball was really good. This state is just chock full of very talented young ladies who play the sport and love the sport. Uh, Lincoln Southwest, the Silverhawks become the first capital city team to win the Class A championship since 1998. Um, We did a profile feature on, uh, profile story on Malaya Long, their talented setter. She's a senior going to Marquette next year. She gets to go out on top, and she has a lot of classmates who played really big roles. That senior group, who really just took that program to the next level. So uh, a great day for the capital city on Saturday as Lincoln Southwest wins a state championship. Lincoln Lutheran wins a state championship. Norris was also in the finals. And, you know, I feel like we need to start just creating a uh, – let's not call Norris the runner-up. They're they're playing Scott. And Omaha Scott has now won nine Nine in in a a row. row. So there is a monster in Class B. And it, it, this was as good of a team to try to take them down, in my opinion, going into it, that I can remember because this Norris team is so good and we've got a number of college-bound prospects uh, on that team. And Scott ends, ends, ends their season. They win it in straight sets. Well, and you thought they were a three seed. So, like, is this the year that finally maybe they get – you know, well, they didn't play many Nebraska teams during the regular season. That's true. That's why they got a three seed. That's, not because they true. weren't, not because they were the third best team in the state. It's because they didn't have the points based on the schedule that they played. They did. They did play a lot of outside of the state teams. That is true. But if you just look at it on paper, you think, oh, they're the three seed. But good volleyball all the way around. So I, great, great matches. Great day for the capital city. Norris, tip of the cap to the Titans on a great season. And then the Fort Kearney Conference really showed out. They had three teams playing um, in the finals. 
and you know, they played some pretty good volleyball out there in Central Nebraska in it classes is. D1 and D2. It was, uh, it, yeah, it was great. And we'll do it all again next year. It'll be good. Anything else before we let everyone go today, Kevin? That's all I got. All right. Well, appreciate everyone for tuning in, for watching again. As always, keep it tuned to 1011 both on air and online for all of the latest news, weather, and sports. Till next time, folks, we'll see you later. You've been listening to the End Report Husker Show from 1011. Watch, listen, and stream on the 1011 Now app on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. For more Husker coverage throughout the week, watch the End Report on 1011 Sports at 6 and 10 p.m. and download the 1011 Now app.